Everybody grab your glass now, sip on the wine It's time we take you back and let your body really unwind This is soul and this is music, this what makes us secure yeah. Now we're spinning yeah. on D'Angelo, the ladies applaud But our station's gonna make you feel like this here before Exploring all the roots of soul, neo music beyond My name is Noble Dan, I think I better just let it run
Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Sold Out the Roots and the Vine, where we explore the world of Neo Soul and beyond. With me, April Olatunji, joined by my fellow Neo Soul nerd, Mr. Steve Southern. Hey, Steve. Hey. Hey. What's up? What's going on? All is good. All is good. All How is are you? Good. Yeah. Good man. Ready to do this whole thing again. Yes, I'm ready. It takes a month to recover, doesn't it? Yeah. Now we're ready. Ready to go. We're back. We're about ready for some more education. I hope you guys are too. Yeah. So um, what's happening today on this show? What's happening on this show? Well, we've got another two-hour smorgasbord of groove-laden goodies. Standard. First half of the show, we've got a cool mix of more recent neo-soul cuts. Nice. A few on the more jazz and soul tip, stuff from Fatima and Joe Armand Jones, S Fidelity, Cy Smith, and Lives later on in the show. Ooh, sounds good. And then, of course, in the second half of the show, we'll be getting hashtag blessed <laughs> with our deep dive section looking into the origins of gospel music gospel hallelujah <laughs> april's looking very excited about this one can i get a yeah <laughs> yeah i love gospel music and i've really enjoyed this journey into trying to connect dots because i haven't done that before i've just mm. a, done a whole lot of listening um to, to the music yeah and it's a pretty big deal it is and that's what we're all about connecting it those is. dots and yeah mm-hmm. it's been a crash course for me because this is going into uncharted waters so mm. that should be a really cool deep dive in the second half of the show yeah before we press on with any of that though let's roll it back yeah this month's titular root artist mm-hmm. we always start each show with an icon of soul music we do someone we feel has truly left their artistic DNA in the fabric of the genre we know today mm-hmm. and we, we started nasty tonight nasty you little nasty with the incomparable Betty Davis Betty Betty Davis cool name the track you just heard was your mama wants you back from mm. her now legendary 1974 album they say I'm different what did you make of that April <laughs> what did I make of it? Uh, well, we were just grooving away that, in the intro. That groove was something else, man. The relationship between the drums mm-hmm. and the bass the was bass pretty magical. The bass is just so prominent, isn't it? And then when her vocals come in, it's just like, ooh, ooh. that's sass. Yeah, since her sad passing earlier this year, yeah. I've really been diving into her very brief but hugely influential catalogue and Man, I'm just loving it. Mm. Absolutely loving it. Like, I'm a funk kid, so in those three original albums from 73 to 75, pretty astonished to hear so much of what I love laid down so early. Mm. Like, blueprints for jazz and rock fusion, for acid jazz. I hear a lot of acid jazz stuff in there with the bass. A lot of the more esoteric pop stuff we've seen in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And just basically establishing the notion of, you know, the the sexually liberated female artist. Yeah. Like late 60s, early 70s, for someone like that to be doing what she was doing. Yeah. When you think of sort of at the time, we had the Supremes, Temptations, that sort of stuff. Yeah. They promoted an aspect of glamour, but it was a very wholesome, safe version of that, wasn't it? Yeah, family friendly. The glittery dresses, the, the suits. And she just flew against that, just... She studied fashion and art. Right, so okay. So she's, she's bringing that to, mm-hmm. to the table. Mm-hmm. 
huge afro, bikini top, tiny little shorts, platform shoes. It's the Spice Girls 25 <laughs> years in advance, isn't it? It's a wannabe. Like, it's kind of like that... Um you know, you know, in that the Austin Power film. Um, yeah, it's Foxy Cleopatra, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Beyonce yeah. plays Foxy. pretty much her character, Betty Davis's yeah, character. Yeah, Shazam! <laughs> <laughs> Shazam, sugar! <laughs> yeah, very much modelled on cross between yeah. uh, like the black exploitation stars and probably Betty Davis, who sort mm-hmm. of created that look not you if mm-hmm. the timeline matches up there but that wouldn't surprise us at all yeah i think that that topic um of sex and sexuality in in the in songs generally it was kind of like a read between the lines so mm-hmm. so always something which has been talked about even when you, you take it back to um ray charles mm-hmm. and take it back to when he was crossing over yeah the people that inspired him the 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 topic of their songs was often um <laughs> talking about sex but very like undertone so yeah it, it was kind of like bits of slang here and there but yeah, to come out yeah. and be really direct yeah really direct like, that was new i'm gonna whip you yeah <laughs> you're my bitch <laughs> yeah yeah she's just an absolute legend miles davis himself I've got a quote here. It says, she was Madonna before Madonna, even Prince before Prince. Wow. And that's kind of really true, isn't it? We always look to Madonna as a bit of a watershed moment in terms of like Mm. sort of female social politics. But yeah, 10 years before, Betty Davis was doing this, Mm -hmm. plus as a black woman as well, Mm -hmm. which just makes it even more incredible. Yeah. And to have that come out of the mouth of Miles Davis says something, because he was quite... Yeah, he knows what um, he's talking about. <laughs> he was quite yeah. a figure himself, too. He wasn't exactly nicey-nicey, was yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. She was dubbed the Queen of Jazz Fusion. Mm. Which, yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about fusion tonight, I think. Yeah, we can't get away from it, really. She quickly became notorious for her shopping, sexually charged live performances in New York. And for a loose psychedelic musical style. She was a mm. huge fan of Hendrix, which I think you hear straight away. Yeah. She brought that trippy impressionist prog rock style and mixed it with like the funk of George Clinton, as well mm-hmm. as jazz and blues. Vocally, she, she admits she couldn't compare vocally to other females of the time, but instead she referred to herself as a projector rather than a singer. Mm. Just like gets it all out there yeah and she just said she was into sound <laughs> she just described her music as raw rather than pigeonhole in any kind of bracket just raw music quite revolutionary uh, approach to vocalizing i think at the time mm-hmm. for sure yeah you wouldn't coin her as a singer for sure although you know she is there is a melody there and it's pitched but she's not singing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean which i think is what you just said yeah she's just kind of like just like this freestyling energy isn't it yeah mint yeah of course like you don't want to reduce a woman like betty davis to be in a like a footnote in a man's story but she was obviously married to miles davis as well yeah um and their story and just her acting as his muse it's 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 quite sort of obvious how she changed his sound as well this was the the late 60s jazz had sort of lost its footing in the black community at the time okay young people had moved on to like motown and stacks were mm-hmm. new and exciting at the time 
the jazz of like the 30s and 40s had kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. So Miles is obviously, he's in his 40s at this point. Um, everyone's trying to create something to capture, you know, the, the fraught political landscape of the time. And he, he's scared of becoming stale. So enter Betty with yeah. her love of Jimi Hendrix and the wild guitars and the fusion stuff. Very quickly, he's bringing loud electric guitars into his music, adopting a more free-flowing, uninhibited playing style, which, yeah, effectively give birth to the notion of jazz fusion with, you know, obviously stuff like Bitches Brew. Mm. So much of that is accredited to her influence and oh, wow. I guess just what she was playing at home, Jimi Hendrix, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. So how, how amazing mm-hmm. is that when you consider what Miles Davis was doing before he met her in the late 60s? That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah he was 42. She was only 23 yeah. at the time. Wow. Her quote is, he brought the limo and I filled the trash with his suits. So he got rid of his like clean cut Italian suits. Yeah, yeah. And then he started being seen in, you know, the like the badass Miles Davis that we know from like the 70s, yeah. the big glasses, mm-hmm. the sort of leathers and that, the stuff that yeah. we're sort of seeing, the, like the biopic and stuff like that. And from those most sort of interesting periods of his. Mm-hmm. All coming down to, you know, Betty's sort of fashion influence, sound influence. Outlook influence, just yeah, totally his muse. Mm-hmm. Wow, amazing! That's that's cool. It's it's like um, another demonstration of how the the alliances that you make, friendships, relationships, mm-hmm. how much of an impact they have on you know how you express yourself going forward. Because I mean, Miles Davis was came from you know right the way through early jazz, and then he he was kind of like the pioneer of cool jazz which was a lot more down-tempo and... Yeah, we, we, we touched on it when we looked at the very first cases of the roads and the world, yeah. didn't we? and when you hear that music, you think, oh, it's it's kind of romantic and um, it's got that real, like, beauty to it. Mm-hmm. And then to flip... Yeah, still very out there and kind of psychedelic. But yeah, yeah, because he's... He, he, he obviously he's, wasn't bringing electric guitars in the mix. No, and, that's that's a very different case altogether. I guess at the time, the mix of those things would seem pretty alien. Guitars and well, yeah. jazz, Te- yeah. Technologically, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have yeah. coexisted, but it's, yeah, it's cool though. It's cool. Yeah, really, really amazing. Mm. Yeah, her style, like, look at photos of her. She's, she is stunning, like, she's got such mm-hmm. a striking face and, you know, with lyrics like, Nasty Gal, 1975, I ain't nothing but a nasty girl now. I said, you said, I was a bitch now. <laughs> that just sounds like something from the last 10 years or something. That sounds like wow, yeah, she's Cardi B or Lizzo sassy. or something like that. Wowzers. That doesn't sound like a song from 1973. No. Coming from a woman. <laughs> I was a bitch now. Kind of, she reminds me a bit of Tina Turner, like yeah, the, yeah, that, absolutely. That. He was a big freak. <laughs> Listen to this. He was a big freak. <laughs> <laughs> I used to beat him with a turquoise chain. Yeah. I used to beat him with a turquoise chain. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he was a freak. <laughs> when yeah, in, in songs like that, he was a big freak where she literally shrieks about whipping her men. Yeah. She owned her sexuality at that time when I guess the place of women in the industry was very much prescribed by mm. the suits by men. She was taking that power away from anyone who tried to put her in a more conventional box mm-hmm. to sexualize her in a more conventional way. That would be more appealing to a market. Yeah. Instead, she was the one singing about being a freak and being dominant, <laughs> where most of the singers were singing about what had been done to them. Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah. this is what I'm going to do to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just And that whole ethos is kind of the, the template of today's musical climate, really, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone, like, from Beyonce yeah. to Megan Thee Stallion and... Rihanna, Rihanna, a massive example. Just mm-hmm. S&M and stuff like that. Sure. It's kind of the backbone of all the girl power anthems, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be on top, I'm going to be in charge. Wow, I'm, I'm a bit blown away by Betty. It's a bit scary. I feel a bit sorry for Miles. I'm thinking. <laughs> well, they're only together a year. And oh, sort of, okay. And, yeah, and she didn't speak at the time about the fact that he would beat her and stuff like that. Mm. Then allude years later in his own biography that she had an affair with Jimi Hendrix. <gasps> no way. Which she strongly denied and seemed personally hurt by the fact that he'd say that because she said that was like bringing both of them down. It was disrespectful mm. to both of them. But um, like what what a power couple they yeah. would have been. But she, she's, she's gone out with Eric Clapton. Mm. She was uh, amused to a lot of people, I think. Wow. And then she just disappeared. Wow. So Literally disappeared for 40 years. Just No one heard from her for 40 years until like just a few years ago when she was part of a documentary film just, just before passing away, yeah. Did she say much about, did she fill in the gaps? Of- Absolutely no gaps at all. No. no gaps. Like people have sort of alluded to traumas and depression and stuff. Mm-hmm. The producer of her first album, he's from Sly and the Family Stone, He's getting interviewed on it and he's saying like, whatever happened to her was like pretty deep. We don't know, but. Wow. And it was also like the fact that she'd refused to sell out. Mm-hmm. Record labels were kind of like, mm, you've had three albums that haven't sold well. We need to change your image. We need to change your sound. And she was just like, nope. Nah, nah. <laughs> not yeah. for me. Respect. So yeah, she just threw in the towel and just, yeah, disappeared. Wow. An enigma. Yeah. A a true enigma, really, because there's no recordings of her. Mm -hmm. There's no footage of her playing Mm -hmm. because she wasn't like massive at the time. And obviously people aren't whipping out camera phones in a club in New York in 1972. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There was a few written interviews with her, but her spoken voice was never recorded. Wow. So it's just like, yeah, this great mystery, this like super influential force that burned bright for like five years and then then gone. Yeah. We know very wow. little about her. That's quite something. That's rare. Yeah. It's 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 a crazy story, just an amazing character and story and sort of soul and funk history really. Mm-hmm. Silence of forty plus years. That's quite incredible. I mean, just to disappear like that. Like Yeah, would be impossible now, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no chance. There's no chance. But people could do it back then. Nina Simone did it. 
Marvin Gaye did it when he sort of disappeared to Germany. Yeah. People could kind of jump off the merry-go-round. Mm, no chance. I mean, saying that, like, D'Angelo's done a pretty good job at staying. I mean, obviously he hasn't disappeared. That's a very good comparison, did, actually. He did, yeah. you know, he was out of public eye. Same as Lauren Hill. They both managed. Yeah, yeah, very true. And To do that. Devontae out of Jodeci as well, notorious mm-hmm. for just disappearing and but I think you'd have to to be able to successfully do it you'd have to have a certain lifestyle you know that yeah. lifestyle would have to be very humble and quiet you, yes you know? yeah well by all accounts yeah Betty just lived a very very normal life from the yeah. 70s onwards mm. amazing so yeah wow. very little's known about her but I guess what we do know is the legacy she left behind she's a badass bitch sacrificed herself to pave the way for many female artists. Mm, so where does that, yes, where does that leave us? To the vine. Yeah, obviously had artists like, you mentioned Grace Jones when we were talking earlier. She arrived on the scene late 70s, very much in sort of the slipstream of everything Betty Davis accomplished. Mm-hmm. Blending art, fashion and music. Madonna came shortly after. And more modern artists who lean more creatively like... Janelle Monet, I hear a lot of Betty Davis in her sort of artistic style, yeah. genre blurring styles. People like Michelle Nadeghi Cello, mm-hmm. very much bass mm-hmm. and sort of stepping outside of what's a stereotypical mm. female look. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Skin from Skunk and Nancy, is it like a black front woman in the rock realm? Yeah. Who's probably taken mm-hmm. influence from her as well. I hear so much vocally in Rasheen Murphy from Maloko. Yeah. An example of her influence extending to realms of art pop and trip hop. Mm-hmm. Do you know the track Fun For Me by Maloko, an early one? I don't. Listen to this and I think you'll hear sort of some Betty Davisness. Okay. I dream I'm in a town, between here and now. Scooby Dooby, I wear what you be. Bow, wow, wow, wow. I dream I'm in a town, I'm in a the instrument. Kind of like a 90s, 90s version, 90s trip-hop version of Betty Davis. Yeah, yeah. She's really, the way she's using her voice, the, the I don't know what it is. It's very elastic, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it's spoken. It's, yeah. But sung. It's, it's yes. Yeah. quite a combo. Yeah, absolutely. But the root artist I've landed on who we're going to play now as a direct modern day through line from the low slung funk of Betty Davis is UK artist Green Tea Peng. Green Tea Peng. Socially outspoken, renegade soul star who describes her music as Mm. psychedelic R&B. Okay, okay. Very much back in the pocket of Betty. Mm -hmm. And I think as soon as you hear this track, you'll hear the... The loose, rubbery, P-funk bass, Mm -hmm. the sticky guitar groove, and like you just mentioned, the vocal delivery, almost spoken word. Yeah, very bouncy vocals. Yeah. Bouncing. Completely modern, but still somehow has all the hallmarks of those Betty Davis records Mm -hmm. from 50 years ago. We're talking Mm -hmm. 50 years ago now. Wow. So let's hear that dirty funk. Dirty funk. (laughs) This is Green Tea Peng. This sound coming to an earbud near you. This sound 
very physical and literal But metaphysical and mystical And knowing not in your peripheral But find it difficult to meet the suit This sound This sound This sound This sound This sound is physical It's very physical and literal But metaphysical and mystical And knowing not in your peripheral But find it difficult to miss you This sound is sensual And plentiful, alchemical It's medicine and medical Like medicine Now open wide and let it in This sound is sensual And plentiful, alchemical It's medical Like medicine It's medicine Now open wide and let it in This sound Now open wide and let it in This piece of medicine You know your soul needed it from the very beginning And now you're loosening You hear the truth in it Your little toes and you know you got to move to it And groove to it So groove to it You got to groove to it What's up, people? This is Omar. Hi, this is Saprel. Big up. This is Children of Zeus. This is Marie Dalstrom. And you're listening to Sold Out Roots and The Vine.
please record your message. Oh, yes. The sounds of S Fidelity and NDO there with mixed signals. Hmm, what did you think of that, Steve? I love that track. That is so cool. Yeah, man. It's, um, listening to it, you could, you could think that you were maybe listening to a 90s track, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's a really sweet mix of that classic Neo Soul Road sound with a little hint of boom bap and west coast g-funk isn't it with yeah the background like the high pitch synths yeah so sick so sick i found this when i was in pursuit of finding some new music mm-hmm. i never heard of this producer before a swiss producer right yeah swiss producer seems like quite um a small relatively underground producer He's worked with some people we have kind of come across in the past who were newbies. Remember Melody Symphony? Yes, yes, yes. Yep, he's collabed with them. From he's our global with... episode. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Suf Daddy. He's another oh, yeah. one. He's quite a relatively underground producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she seems really cool as well. Um, got some really smooth live stuff on YouTube with her band. Right. Awesome blue dreadlocks. Yeah, oh, digging it. Cool. I mean, if you got blue dreadlocks... That's all it really dreads. has to do, really. Absolutely. <laughs> Fifth element stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I just threw that one in there because it was just... It's just a tune, isn't it? Something which I've been like vibing out to. It really takes me back to that kind of classic R&B sound with yeah, that. it's like a cruise, cruising jam, isn't it? It is, yeah. But then it's also got that leaning back... Yeah, um, top down. ...beat, you know, it's reminiscent of Dilla and... You know those cats so yeah i remember when you sent me that a while ago and it was like straight in the playlist that'll do nicely <laughs> that's one of mine that's one for me classic but just before we move on i mentioned jay dilla there oh i have a copy of <gasps> dilla time this is I correct i need to hear about this been reading and i must say i'm really enjoying it it's yeah. like it's just a it's a total history it's a chunky boy like isn't it it's a big it's a, book it's a chunky boy and he, it's a and thick he, ass boy <laughs> he details like everything from you know like the biographical side of things of Dilla's life and his upbringing but then also into you know the history say of the drum machine mm. you know yeah. just making sure that everything's covered and it's just so interesting then when he starts talking about like how Dilla manipulated rhythm yeah it's superb so yeah. i can't rate it highly enough yeah some of those um is it vox how dilla created like a, a new rhythm yeah it's either from vox or somewhere else one of those youtube videos that's fascinating that yeah they call it dilla time dilla, dilla time created his own time amazing but yeah definitely you will love it like this the nuggets of of info in that like it's just mm. you know when am fiddler is introduced it's like wow that is such an epic story right like who introduced Dilla to the MPC yeah but it was more than that he basically Dilla being kind of like maybe 16 17 really like obsessed with music his whole life from the age of three he used to play records in the park (laughs) I don't think I've heard stories about Dilla like (laughs) like when his mum and dad were gonna get him a gift Mm -hmm. they would get him just a record they would take him the record shop and he would go crate digging like from a young age but then when he got into his teens he was just obsessed with making beats and a few of the guys i think actually was one of the members of slum village had heard that there was some music happening coming from the basement of this house 
and they were like oh man we've got to we've got to meet this person and one day there's a guy from that house putting out his bins who was it amp fiddler <laughs> <laughs> and they go up, rock up to him what a glamorous tale they just rock up to him and they're like man have you got a studio down there and he's like yeah and they're like oh we make beats we write rhymes can we can we come in and 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 let them in and he was like look i'm recording my album i haven't got loads of time to give you but i've got all this gear because he decided when he got his advance that he would just buy loads of equipment as opposed to hiring a studio smart and he said to the lads he said if you help me figure out how to use all this stuff you can kind of wow s- stick around yeah and then straight away dilla's friends point at him and they're like he's your guy so Amphidler took him under his wing in such a beautiful way. It was like, Mint. wow. All popping up in Detroit. Yeah. Man. So, but yeah, Dilla time. Check it out. I must read that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I mean, I can lend it to you if you want. I will be nicking that. Absolutely. When you're finished with it. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's keep it smooth, eh? Let, let's keep it going. Mm-hmm. Got another male-female pairing here after uh, S Fidelity and NDO. This time we've got Fatima and Joe Armand Jones. Oh yes, these guys. What a collab. Speaking of Dilla vibes. Yeah. This track is very Dilla. Yes, this is definitely Dilla vibes. Yeah, let's check this track out. This is called Number One.
That was too smooth. Smooth. Ah, oh, I I love Fatima's style. Her vocal style is so original. Yeah, it's like really soft. So original. Floaty, jazzy, works really nice over over Joe's keys, doesn't it? Yeah, but even her like her note choices with regards to a melody, I feel like it is very original. It's not like you know, say within R and B, there's a particular style and overall sound to the way it's all constructed and like we're going to be talking about gospel in a, in a little bit and that's the same this kind of like you know you can hear a gospel singer and they'll often do a lot of the same type of melodic yeah. runs and um whereas i feel with fatima it's her own thing a mm. bit more thought put into the runs and mm. just just like she's being her authentic self which i really love Nice, yeah, a really nice voice. Mm-hmm. And the beat reminds us of like Kareem Riggins. Yes, yeah. It's, it's very much in that common Glasper sort of mold. Yeah, and, and Kareem, Kareem was another one of those drummers that worked with Dilla. Yeah. Them as Questlove, they were on the mm-hmm. pursuit to get play drunk. Well, Kareem, I find, is a lot more regimented. It's a lot more like... Mm-hmm. It's very much like it's not as like sloppy or as like off grid as Dilla's, but mm-hmm. it, it does have like a groove, but it's a lot more like a technical groove, I guess. Yeah, oh, it is very technical, sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the super smooth duo of Fatima and Joe Armin Jones. I'm loving it. That's from their new collaborative EP. We've got a whole three track EP called Tinted Shades, which is, is real nice. Yes, I have been enjoying that. And, and Joe Armin Jones is from the, is it the Ezra Collective? Yes, yeah, plays keys yeah. for Ezra Collective, mm-hmm. plays keys for Nubia Garcia. Right. And played keys on the Green Tea Peng album. Nice. <laughs> Tying it up with a how pretty How we do, bow. how we do. <laughs> yeah, Marianne Hobbs called him possibly the hottest keyboard player in the world right now. Is it? In the world? That's quite a title. That's high praise. That is high praise. Yeah. show. To segue to our next ramble, playing those guys, mm. Fatima and Joe are both featured in this super interesting recent Guardian piece mm-hmm. called Summer of Soul, Meet the Stars of the UK Soul Renaissance. This is a piece by Johnny Pitts with interviews by Kate Hutchinson that I thought would be worth covering a bit. There's, it's a big article with a lot of <laughs> a long meat to chew article. on. Yeah. Listener of the show, my jazz buddy L sent me this. Your jazz buddy. Um, she's got Shout the out, most <laughs> insane jazz vinyl collection. And she's just basically my go-to knowledge base and tastemaker cool. for anything new jazz or cool nice. on Instagram. When I'm just posting cheesy rubbish from the 80s, <laughs> she's always in with the coolest jazz fusion well, stuff. Thank so. goodness for L. <laughs> yeah, shout out shout L, out Instagram, L. LT Music Lover. LT Music Lover. Awesome. But yeah, now now this article has interviews with Egoella May. It's got Children of Zeus, Joel Culpepper, as well as Joe Armand Jones and Fatima. Mm. And starts with this sort of opening salvo. Across the UK, a fresh wave of writers and performers are rebooting soul music for the post-grime era. Mm-hmm. That's kind of an interesting way to phrase it, isn't it? A post-grime era. When we've had this whole sort of like new subculture of UK urban music come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we kind of find ourselves on the other side of that. Yeah. And now we've got this new form of soul or a new revival of soul. 
Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a resurgence of soul music being popularized and you're seeing more and more artists making um creating within the genre but also with a new edge like the whole idea of, of music evolving and fusing together with with other sounds yeah it's almost like being given a new context with this new sort of decade plus of like uk hip-hop and grime and just the social movements that have came about through that scene really mm-hmm it's kind of given the the soul side of things which had been kind of left dormant for a little bit yeah a sort of renewed sense of credibility or purpose or i'm not sure i think there's a lot of things to dive into there yeah i mean it's interesting you know so i read that article um it was a good article and it was great to see those the, the people that we've we've spoke about so much and that are on our radar and on our playlists and we're listening to their music and who've been on our show like Tyler from Children of Zeus people yes, we've spoken like to like Tyler yeah. big up Tyler yeah so it's so good to see that and I didn't I don't know if I quite agreed with the point of um, the noughties you know being like uninspiring musically mm. because I feel like at that time my own personal experience I was listening to so much so much soul music right which was which was coming out at the time but it just wasn't popular it wasn't it wasn't yeah. it wasn't yeah. in the mainstream it was very much underground i, I liked finding underground artists so yeah. i don't know it obviously depends on what your perspective is but there's definitely you know where we're at now mm-hmm. particularly coming out of our own country yeah just this resurgence of soul and on the back of it is this strongly linked with jazz yeah yeah to give some of the context of where the article's coming from they go back to that late 80s early 90s period and talk about that this celebrated scene of omar Sade, soul to soul mm-hmm. thriving club scene that give birth to artists like seal and massive attack yeah on a global stage the uk really did have a moment then Yes. Okay. I, I get. So they go back to the nineties and even moving forward through to the later nineties. I loved the fact that they shout out Dilla's links to the UK, like mm-hmm. the brand new heavies remixes and stuff like that. Yeah. He was very much in that late period acid jazz playground. Mm-hmm. And then obviously shouting out this article shouts out some of the really overlooked UK soul artists from that really forgotten late nineties period: Lyndon David Hall, Hill Street Soul, yes. Terry Walker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a bunch of guys who I remember who straddled that line between pop and R and B: Kelly LaRock, Shola Hammer, yeah. Nate James. I was a big fan of Nate James. Yeah, Nate James. Very much sort of mm-hmm. a poppy Stevie Wonder, and obviously yeah. Beverly Knight as well. When was Lamar? Yeah, yeah, who came out Lamar. of, um, was it Fame mm. Academy? Yeah. Oh, some some programme, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was the BBC mm-hmm. one, wasn't it? And yeah, so that was kind of maybe an uncelebrated period. Mm. And then, yeah, he, the author goes on to say the 2000s were, yeah, kind of a little bit depressing, really, in terms of, <laughs> we just didn't really know what to do with soul music or artists, how to, like, launch them, where to put them on playlists. Mm. Yeah, he says the infrastructure around soul music was in serious decline. The time for huge transition for the music industry and the few opportunities for soul singers were controlled by naughty's hipster A&R men keen on watering down black sounds for a white audience, often with devastatingly bland ballads 
or offensive black culture appropriation. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Handbags. Yeah, quite a stinging one there, but not entirely difficult to argue with in some cases. Mm. <laughs> Maybe like Sam Smith or that sort of Emily Sandy level Radio 2 soul. Yeah. Joel Culpepper had a load of interesting quotes. He said, yeah, at the time, he'd been around for a long time. He's like nearly 40 now, which is a sort of a strange age for an artist to really yeah. start to take off in this day and age. To launch I think he's 37, 38. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he said back then, yeah, that to smooth it out for Radio 2, mm-hmm. go uber slick for pop mainstream or become an MC. <laughs> yeah. One guy even said there was no lane for him because there was already a tiny temper. Wow. How ignorant. Who's comparing tiny temper with Joel Culpepper? Yeah. Not even in the same genre. No. Insane. (laughs) And he'd said that was a comparison made on nothing but complexion and the fact that he wore glasses. Amazing. And is this going to be a journalist? Yeah. Yeah. These are the people who were in charge and sort of choosing what people got to hear at the time yeah totally ignorant yeah he points out the the sort of the white double standard as well in this article which i was like oh man that's that's so true which i know we we have to emphasize we're sat here two white nerds (laughs) but (laughs) you had yeah at the time you had adele amy duffy sam Mm. smith even people like sort of katie b as well Oh, in yeah. sort of the urban scenes mm-hmm. the conversation around these artists were wow they sound black that's amazing yeah that's true but when a black artist did the same thing mm-hmm. there was always that glass ceiling that they were never going to become as big as Amy or Adele were they mm. and he, he said that just put off a whole generation of singers that sort of the, the limitations of what they could achieve or what they felt they could achieve under that sort of I guess society at the time Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Right insane. Like Terry Walker was working with the exact same people Amy Winehouse was at the time, mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Salam Remy. Um and yeah. Oh who, yes. Who's the biggest star? <laughs> mm. Who who went down in history and who kinda just strictly for the heads. Yeah. Same time, I mean it's like Amy Winehouse isn't here any longer, you know. Well, yeah, double-edged sword, isn't it, the fame? It's, it seems, It seems. yeah, it does. It seems to be a bit of a trend for those who become, you know, very successful, have such a limelight on them. And so I don't know, I think there's, I think there's beauty in being able to do, you know, get the, the kind of the kudos that you deserve. Yeah. You know, say, for instance, like last week I went down to see their amazing Vula. Mm-hmm. And um, she, I think she's an example um, of singer musician at the top of her game. Yeah, like she is the go-to vocalist. Whether that been be, in the industry a long time, yes, a long, long time, and she is still going. Yet she can, she can live a normal life, you know. Yeah. So and she's uh, probably kind of done all right off some of those like songwriting credits. She had yeah. big hits with Basement Jacks. For those yeah. who don't know. Fugle yeah. and Joe is part of their tour and band for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to be afforded those luxuries and just sort of still be able to go under the radar. Yeah. Probably a, a very nice way to go about things, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, the the white artists at the time definitely did get afforded the headlines, but yeah, you're right. It may came at a price, especially with Amy and I know Duffy as well has mm-hmm. only just recently come out with stories about sexual assault that she never spoke about back in the mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Double double mm. edged sword. It is. I know. No, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. What did you make of? The idea they put forward about us only really rediscovering soul in the 2010s in the way we have, where we talk about the sort of the the comeback of neo soul as a response to sort of the hardships of society, us seeking comfort in a more retro sound, the soul sound. Mm. A, a lot of this music that we talk about does harken back to an earlier era, doesn't it? It definitely does, yeah. Your 70s, your 80s, your your Stevie Wonder stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's like an element of retro in a lot of this stuff, like the inflow stuff with Salt and Cleo Sol. Yeah. Definitely transports you back to a time. And it it did get me thinking, like, is it the reason why we've latched on this music at this moment in time? It's a nice escape, isn't it, of a lot of the... In the article, the refer to, like... The dawn of the 2010s, the wake of a financial crisis, growing mm. austerity, which just got the last two years, prices going insane for everything. Mm. We're all kind of a, <laughs> we're in the shit a bit again. So mm. yeah, we're kind of looking to these comforting sounds of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily old songs, but songs that remind us of those periods. Yeah. I think I think there's probably a, a decent theory in there somewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good stuff. Like, you can get so much out of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know if I hundred percent agree <laughs> with that. With that completely. Yeah. Because I, I think there's always been, you know, there's always been something on the radar which has been things could be better. Do you know? That, that's... It's true. I mean, the, the article kind of frames the two thousands as this like era of excess as well, which. I don't necessarily remember the 2000s being that way, in the way sort of the yeah. 80s is looked on as. The, the story, the 2000s will probably be remembered as like the glorification of like the heroin chic and all that sort of stuff. And <laughs> the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, the kind of silliness that went along with that sort of extravagance. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it kind of it does frame it in a way to sort of support this theory. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, but it, great article anyway. I mean, the the very fact that all those artists who have started from the ground up and have been grafting their little asses off, yeah. and some of them are independent, so they're still grafting hard, you know, doing all the work. And um, the very fact that they had a feature and that they're doing well is yeah. really hopeful for us and exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. And I think it's important to get these kind of articles and to give a platform to these artists. Um, and for someone to try and contextualise this current wave, mm-hmm. I think that's important as well. We need to sort of try and understand where things have come from, why things are happening now and why they haven't necessarily happened 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it just kind of helps us in understanding the through lines and maybe to see what's going to come next. Mm. 
Really cool. Good job, Guardian. Good job. So is that the deep dive over? <laughs> <laughs> That's the deep dive over. Bye. <laughs> that was a deep dive within itself. Yeah, oh, let's play another yeah. tune, eh? Let's. Play another tune. What, what we're playing? Let's stick on theme a little bit. Let's go with someone who's slowly been evolving into a, a real presence in this future UK soul fusion scene. Mm. This is Bo Diaco. Again, I've looked for the pronunciation. Diaco, Diaco. Diaco, Diaco. This is Bo Diaco featuring Emok. Turn your phone off. Skate out, feel a better breeze Think I got it, think twice, think twice Ask off, make up, make way, make flight mm-hmm. Think less and just be about it Think less and just be about it Don't reply to no text or phone calls Grab my bike and just be alone for However long I need to be So now Maybe take a minute, an hour, a day
the fluttery sounds of Bo Diaco there. Jazz Bo fusion. Selecta. Bo <laughs> Diakovitz. I could not resist that. Proper Sorry. Bo. <laughs> Proper. Proper Bo. He's, again, the F word, yeah. jazz fusion guitarist and producer, mm. who has just dropped his new album, Nylon. Oh. You might recognise his unmistakable guitar tones from Marie Dahlstrom's Like Sand. Are you kidding? Ah, oh, yes. Yes, Bo. <laughs> you know Bo. <laughs> oh, what a tune. And oh. also... Oh, come on. Jordan Rakai's Mind's Eye. Hear him sliding away in the background. Oh, I love it. Which he also co-wrote that with Jordan as well. That's mint. Cool. And he was also part of the duo Zoology with Emily Kruger back in the day. You might have come across them as well. It sounds very eclectic. Oh, yeah, we've been talking a lot of fusion this episode, haven't we? We have. I feel like... And I'm sure we'll do it again in the next hour. It, it, it will. There'll be lots of fusion, I feel. Yeah. In tonight's episode. Yeah. Just love bringing these things together. And another one of my musical loves is... Uh, it's a genre called math rock. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Don't think you'll be too familiar with math rock. But it's this like super virtuosic, it's like instrumental guitar music. Yeah. Uh, that really pushes the technicality of fretwork to the fore and like the tapping and the, yeah. the picking and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, that's what I hear in, in Bo's stuff. In he's kind of, yeah. he's blended math rock with neo soul. <laughs> oh, that is a new one. I don't know it's it's mesmerizing. I, I love it. It's super intricate. Yeah. Really emotive playing as well, I find. Yeah. Really unique to see that style incorporated into this sort of world. I kind of, particularly in that um, in Jordan song there, I felt like it was very... Um, it adds like a otherworldly vibe to it. It had a kind of high life type feel with the guitar. It was very... Do you know what I mean? Mm, what's high life? They're not. No, no, it's a genre. What? What? I... A whole genre I haven't heard of? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to show you what High Life is just quick. Let's go. Oh my God. This is exciting. Yeah. I have no I idea am. what you're going to play. <laughs> I'm, I'm determined. Is it in that sort of like style of like African okay. sort of stuff? Okay, so you got some guitar here. Ah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know it had like a specific name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you see the video? Yeah. He's so happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally hear what you mean. Anyway. No, yeah, it does. It brings this sort of like world music vibe to that Jordan Rakai track. Yeah. It does, yeah. That's just what my ear heard. Yeah, really cool. But anyway. Any guitarist listening, he's got um, loads of guitar courses online labeled Play Neo Soul Guitar. Oh. If you want to sound like Bo, go learn from the man himself. The actor. Or Bo. Oh. He's really cool. Like. He is very, he's very, very cool. I, I was enjoying. Looks like a cool cat. Enjoying that. But should we do one more tasty tune before I we? I think I think we're best. Before we get lifted. Before we get blessed. Are you ready to be blessed? 
get lifted. <laughs> yeah, so one more, yeah. Where where we're going? What what's our next tune? Well, I am playing this next song by an artist called Cy Smith. She's done a version of Feeling Good. It's not like for like, but there is aspects of, you know, I'm feeling good. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. I like this a lot. It is cool. And my good friend, Lil Chris, introduced me to it hey. just the other week at the last sold out. And he was like, April, check this out. You're going to like this. And I did. I've, he was I mean, right. I've, I've heard, I've heard a lot of Cy Smith music, but not in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. Cy Smith has been singing backup for Usher. Eric Benet, Michelle Denier DiCello, Genuine, Brandy. What? Yes, and even on the road with Whitney Houston. So, Jeez, cream of the crop or what? She has been amongst it. She's almost like the Vula of... um, Yeah, American version (laughs) of Vula. American Vula, yeah. Um, Wow, that's... God, can you imagine singing back up to some of those people, though? I don't think I would survive. How daunting would that be? (laughs) I mean, Usher, I don't think I would be able to survive. Um, Well... Usher for other reasons. I'm talking about <laughs> vocal prowess reasons, not quivering at the knees <laughs> looking at Usher's abs. But Brandy, imagine singing back up for Brandy. Yeah, man. Like Wild. she's she is the queen. The vocal bible herself. Yes, the vocal bible. That's that is her name, isn't it? The vocal bible. Um yeah, but this is just a nice, feel good, classic. It's got that classic neo soul vibe for me. Like mm-hmm. very, very much um. I think Jill, Jill Scott would get down to this one, the groove. <laughs> um, it's got a really happy, happy vibe to it. Let's so get in the vibe. Just to lift you up as we move on to the next segment of the episode. So this is Cy Smith feeling good. So I wanted to go like, uh, birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life. Feel me? Feel me? Feel me? For me, yeah, 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 yeah. For me, yeah, 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 yeah. For me, yeah, yeah, for me. Yeah, 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 yeah
After listening to that, that was a trip. That. We went from sort of the the triplet hi hats, yeah, through to some catranardery sort of side chain beats. Mm-hmm. Nice, good pick. Mm, thank you. And then the super jazzy piano. Yeah. Between him and Joe Armon Jones, we've had some nice bits of jazz tonight. Yeah. So I believe on keys that is Dominique Xavier, which as a name in itself is just quite epic badass sounds like an x-man dominic xavier he does yeah he definitely does 
All right. Well, yeah. I think I think that's got me in a good mood. It's got you lifted. That's got me ready for the next instalment. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you strapped in, kids? You know what's coming. You know what time it is. <laughs> you kids. know what time it is. <laughs> it's time to go deep. Let me go deep, deep in the Yes, it is that time again. Well, we're going to go deep. We are. We're here. We're going to talk about gospel, the roots of gospel and the influence of gospel. We are talking gospel. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, we're going to try and cover as much as we can, but we will give the caveat. Yeah, I mean, gospel is such a huge umbrella term, isn't it? Yeah. That includes so many genres and styles. Yeah. We can't possibly sort of go as deep as we normally do into these things, can we? No, it is... We can only scratch the surface tonight. Yeah. Treat this as your sort of introduction to gospel. If, like me, you're not super familiar with the world of gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we're going to look at some of the the origins. Yeah. Look at some of the, the techniques that make a gospel sound Mm -hmm. and then look at some of the crossovers and look at some of the elements that have kind of found their way into more contemporary soul neo soul r&b just looking for that gospel influence and sound in the music we tend to play yeah for sure gospel is such a huge topic there's so much depth to it i only feel like we've just unearthed something which is huge yeah so tonight's deep dive is just a kind of dipping our toes in let's say (laughs) Uh, but before we go there we're gonna just play you some sweet gospel we're gonna play you let's give them a taste we're gonna give you a flavor a little little flavor we're gonna play for you brighter day by none other than kirk franklin young people gonna stand up real quick come on Yo, everybody, come get your bounce on, get your bounce on, get your bounce on. Don't be cute with it, you gotta get, come on. Fifth one, fourth one. Come on, sing it. Never thought that I was 
I mean, it's so uplifting. Regardless know. of religion, that is just a jam, man. The yeah. bass, the horns, the choir. Yeah. Do you know, there's within the genre of gospel, obviously there's different sounds like that is more of like in, an encouraging, uplifting song. And then you've got more worshipful mm-hmm. songs, which are, are more kind of, um, I guess they're a love song, really. That would be the equivalent. More somber. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But gospel music is just so powerful no matter what your um, religious beliefs are whether you have some or you don't you cannot deny the energy that is communicated through that music on all levels musically vocally like there's so much to it yeah and energy is a very strong word to use there because that's what it's all about isn't it feeding off that energy in the room it is particularly yeah. that track where it's obviously like a live track yeah really makes you feel like you're in church mm-hmm. yeah amazing yeah well if you if you kind of like you think about gospel music and it's it's um it's a genre but it's also a it's a culture much like hip-hop yeah. is a culture within the church you know you've got people spending massive amounts of time together like mm-hmm. church services in a lot of the like pentecostal um baptist churches all they go on for a long long time right so you've got you've got people spending so much time together and there's a great emphasis on the music within particularly like the charismatic pentecostal yeah like your, your preachers and your, yeah your stuff like that which are kind of picture those guys like praise the lord those kind of things that we've seen in literature and in movies and stuff oh, like yeah. that yeah yeah it is it is it's almost like a family mm. so you're, you're playing musicians are playing together for long periods of time singing together rehearsing starting young as well right yeah so that energy that they are they're able to kind of fuse together is that way because of the culture yeah yeah but it it has obviously um it has a long history and the history is not pretty where where the music has come from is not pretty yeah yeah so should we dive into it should we go there Let's take it back. Where Let's did this back. amazing music come from? Well, this music, as I mentioned, was born out of misery and injustice and yeah. just a really disgusting period in history. A bleak time for humanity, wasn't it? Going yeah. back to the 19th century. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about slave trade. The songs like that came out of that period of time were people who... We're looking for brighter days, in the words of Kirk Franklin. Yeah. So they've, they've, mm. they've been brought, they've been enslaved, brought from their home and made to made to be a slave. I mean, yeah. you couldn't even imagine what that, no. how, how that must be. And the one thing that those people had was music. They, they've come from a country rich in music and culture. The universal language, isn't it? Yeah, but they... Their, their instruments were taken off them. So the only thing that they had were their voices. Yeah, just had the voice. And the songs that came out of that time were called 
Negro spirituals. Yeah. And they have been, I mean, they're not massively documented, but they have been, they have been documented in um, kind of score format. They were considered like folk songs at the time, weren't they? Like, yeah, I saw quotes in like the purest form of American folk music is the Negro spiritual. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's born from these people's personal heartbreaks, mm-hmm. combined with the messages from the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's interesting about it is, so you've got people who've come from a completely different culture with completely different religious beliefs, mm-hmm. and the Christian faith is forced upon them. And they couldn't, you know, a lot of those people couldn't read. So they were taking secondhand information. Yeah. So they made the stories of particularly the Old Testament, their vision of hope. Yeah. With, with, you know, the concept that is entwined through the Bible is that good wins overall. Mm. Righteousness is at the end the winner. So there's there's real hope in that. And so a lot of these songs came from... The only thing they had really, wasn't it? Yeah. To put their faith in something like that yeah um so because not everybody could read there would be that that element of call and response yes is this is fascinating to me it's just the learning of of the word so mm-hmm. one person calls one person responds and as we go through gospel that is one of the primary kind of foundational points or building blocks of the music which is like it is its own thing within that genre, the call and the response. Certainly in gospel, but it's a foundational block in just music, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, true. I mean, it's obviously, like, uh, music's a language, so... If we think to the, the 70s, like James Brown, mm-hmm. the call and response of James Brown. Yeah. And I'd link it directly to, like, think about trap music now, like the prevailing mm-hmm. form of, like, hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ad libs at the end of those things, like, yeah, yeah, screw it, all that sort of stuff at the end, yeah. is just a version of, like, yes, Lord, at the end of the call and response line. Yeah. It's fulfilling the same, like, purpose in the song structure almost it is definitely like definitely call it like you're, you're completely right music's a language and, and it's all about conversation and mm. making something together but there's something about how it's presented within gospel it's very much its own thing yeah. you know so you, you have the the lead vocalist and you have the choir mm-hmm. and the lead vocalist will be kind of putting out a vocal line in which the choir will either copy or will answer and expand on the information yeah. and it's like this story that's intertwined between these sets of singers oh yeah it's like the backbone of gospel isn't it i think maybe it's just more sophisticated maybe it's something that they've really they've really kind of honed in on mm-hmm. so yeah so that's where gospel has its roots it's, it's out of out of out of that time that's its roots yeah I guess we kind of move forward to the 30s at this point, right? Yeah, so it, so it had its roots in the slave trade and the oppression of the, the African people. Um, but then if we move forward mm-hmm. to, say, the 1930s, for instance, mm-hmm. this is where gospel music as we know it started to kind of really take shape. 
Um, But interestingly enough, it was a long-running parallel with blues. Yes. One man in particular, right? Yeah, there's the main guy, which is, he's actually known as the father of gospel. Um, There's a chap called Thomas Andrew Dorsey. Yeah, Georgia Tom. (laughs) Yeah, Georgia Tom. And he, as I've learned about him, he came from a Christian household, so he had lots of experiences in the church, but he came in to um, his faith like later on in life. I don't know exactly what age he was, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. up until that point, he was a blues guitarist. and um, Really renowned blues artist, wasn't he? He was. He was a bit of a big deal. Yeah, touring were with Ma Rainey, who, if anyone's yes. seen the, the movie, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I've not seen that. I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah, just recent movie. So that. yeah, she's obviously like an absolute legend in the scene. He wrote, what was it, thousands of songs? Oh, I don't know that. I don't her. know the, um, <laughs> the numbers, but yeah, he's, yeah he, he's... I think he wrote hundreds of blues songs before, yeah, having this epiphany in the 20s. Yeah. Where, yeah, he turned away from secular music and started writing gospel songs. He did, but it wasn't really approved by the church mm. because it was viewed as he was bringing in the devil's music yeah the blues yeah and obviously like the thing about um the blues scale um some of the notes that are featured within the scale were notes that have been you just stay stay away from the tritone the tritone is a bad it's <laughs> the devil's interval ah right and yes. and within the, the the blues scale you have that tritone which mm. really gives that blue sound right so yeah, so he was bringing that that blues in, and it wasn't accepted, mm-hmm. which I think's really. I think that's going to be something that we're going to come back to time and time again. Is when someone's a, a pioneer mm-hmm. in an art form, they're going to meet say friction like under. like Betty Davis. Yeah, you know she wouldn't have been accepted right away. There yeah. would have been lots of people against her in her time. Yeah, yeah. and I think when you are a pioneer, you're going to get flack because. We are creatures of habit. We like the same thing. We like to know where we are. Yeah. And it takes like a visionary and Need these somebody. people to just come and rub against <laughs> we do. these people. Then that's when we get the most amazing yeah. things. Like That's when it comes. Yeah. That's when the magic happens. The creation of, of gospel. Yeah. Like American gospel, black gospel as we know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, he was quite some guy. I mean, not only did he, was he known as the father of of gospel yeah he was very much about bringing up the younger generation so he he co-founded the national convention of gospel choirs and choruses which was an organization dedicated to training musicians and singers wow um from all over the u.s so when you have that vision but then you're also wanting to pour into the next generation that's when there's real legacy that's when it kind of all takes off and one of the singers that were a part of the convention was Mahalia Jackson. Ah, right. Yes. He was also known as the Queen of Gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... What sort of music was found in the church then before this sort of change? Was it just kind of more like our church it, services? It more? would have been hymns. Hymns, hymns. yeah, yeah. And to just hammer home like how much of a radical change mm. Dorsey's work was, he really brought that 
he brought the rhythm and the swing into it, didn't he? Yes. From blues, you know how yeah. we think of gospel, and you got the 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 clapping yeah. and the foot stomping and yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. He brought that from blues into the world of the church, yeah. which is huge. Which you wouldn't you wouldn't separate it now, would you? You wouldn't no, think not at that all. that no. came mm-hmm. from somewhere else. Yeah. Or that it wasn't accepted. Absolute legend. What I found quite interesting, I was I was watching a, a documentary. It was just talking about the history of soul music, and they were talking about Ray Charles, mm-hmm. and Ray Charles came up against the same the same conundrum yeah. as as Dorsey did, but it was just in reverse. So the people of Ray Charles's time were saying they were insulted the music that he was making because it sounded gospel, mm-hmm. and when you listen to it. You're like, that's just really bluesy. So was it gospel? Because by that point, it had been accepted. You know, that sound had been accepted into the, the gospel sound. Yeah. Um, and then and then Ray Charles takes it and he goes secular. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, well, what comes first? At what point do you say, I guess that idea of being a purist, you know, how does anything develop yeah. if yeah, totally. it has to stay one way? Yeah. You know what we'd I mean? Just be, we'd still be listening to the same music as we did 70 years ago if people yeah. hadn't come along and just changed our way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's that's brief history of gospel and the founding father. That's the work the of Dorsey. Should we play a bit of Dorsey? Let's play some Dorsey. Yeah. Yeah, so this is, this is Hide Me in Thy Bosom <laughs> by Thomas Dorsey. Oh, Jesus, hear me praying, hear the words I'm saying. Once my soul was wanted from on high. Oh, with the world of sin around me, no evil thoughts can bind me. Oh, Savior, if you leave me, I will die. Until the storm of life is over And rock me in the cradle of thy love Feed me, Jesus, feed me 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 Until I want no more And take me to thy blessed home above my burden lighter and help me to do good wherever I can oh, let thy presence thrill me let the Holy Spirit fill me and hold me in the hollow of thy hand oh, hide me in thy bosom until the storm of life is over then rock me in the cradle of thy No more. I'm 
dancing home above. So that's Dulcie. Yeah. That's the tritone right there. Right. Business be me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. be me. Oh. That's the tritone. Right. Be gone with your devil music. <laughs> it's funny though, because when you listen to it, you're just like, that's so wholesome. And so lovely. <laughs> it just sounds like sort of doo-wop music to me yeah. in, in many ways. It's, it's pretty pretty crazy. It is, yeah. Yeah, after his work in the 20s, NBC, the National Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. America's biggest religious body, that's when it finally acknowledged gospel in the church in 1930. Right. Well. And from then on, we were off to the races, really, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he started something. He started something. I mean... Have you heard much gospel? I've heard a lot today. You've heard a lot today, <laughs> yes. You're doing your studies today. Yeah. Doing my research. Yeah. Um, and what I kind of enjoyed was, um, you obviously you've got those sort of the upbeat, the, the foot stomp and sort of crowd participation ones. Mm-hmm. But what he also brought from blues was the pain and the emotion of blues. Yeah. Into mm-hmm. the words. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden... The church is singing more like personal things, personal feelings mm. toward faith rather than, I guess, hymns are a bit more detached in yeah. some way. Yeah. And Dorsey wrote some beautiful songs. Yeah. Like, he met tragedy as well, I think. His, his wife and son died in childbirth. Yeah. And in response to that, he wrote, Take My Hand, Precious Lord. Yeah. For Mahalia Jackson. And yeah, that's considered one of the most beautiful gospel songs of all time. And that's just, to me, like a soul song, really. It's not like... Yeah. It's just a from-the-gut blues blues song. Yeah, singing from the heart, from your soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's already proving that it's this kind of versatile genre. Mm. So if you, if I was to say, right, gospel music, what comes to your mind? What's the first thing that stands, that would stand out? Well, it does automatically go to those big, like, mega churches, mm-hmm. your big sermons, mm-hmm. really charismatic, what do you call them, pastor? Pastors, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of leading his congregation. Yeah. You're seeing like families in there, elderly people like really losing the mind, really getting into it. <laughs> that That's kind of my, I guess, cliched image of a gospel church, American. Yeah. Black gospel church. Yeah. Full of life, full of energy. What about the, the music? What would be something which would... Um, I guess just like really uplifting, really big and boombastic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just I'll just keep coming back to that word, uplifting, really. Um, virtuosic yeah. musicianship. Yes. I'd say the choirs and the vocal layering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff I kind of put down as the, the ingredients, the, the uninformed from me ingredients of what a gospel song would yeah. traditionally be. What one thing for me, from my perspective, obviously we have our own like worldviews and different things which kind of like tick our boxes or And you're coming to this as 
I guess, someone of faith, whereas I'm sort of yeah. not necessarily, right? Yeah, and also coming to it as a vocalist as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I listen to all types of music and I like instrumental music and I like vocal-led music. Mm-hmm. One thing to me that what gospel stands out as is for for vocalists, it is like, it is the ultimate goal, you know, to be able to do what some of the... The gold standard. Yeah, it is the gold standard, mm-hmm. I would say, for vocal expression. I mean, the technique is not always like amazing in that, you know, there's probably a lot of singing teachers would look at the way a gospel singer is singing and looking at their, their posture and, you know, and they'd be like, oh, no, that, that's a no. Because um, it, it's more about what you're feeling. So that goes out the window. Yeah, it's just projecting that energy into the crowd, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you see some of these singers absolutely busting their lungs and yeah. it's technically not perfect, but mm. man, <laughs> just yeah. you can't help but just go like, dang, <laughs> go yeah. off, son. I mean, as as the genre has um, developed and the standard of, of singers and their technique has gotten higher and higher, Mm-hmm. The genre in itself is known for being like prestige. Like it is like the best of the best singers, the best of the best bass players, the best of the best kit players, like mm-hmm. all of the, like the level of musicality and the, the chops. It's just known as the chops, gospel chops. Yeah. Yeah. It's for me, that's what I'm at the moment. That's what I'm taking interest in and kind of breaking the genre down and what stands out mm-hmm. is the vocals for me one thing that struck me from one of the videos i watched today why gospel musicians are just so damn talented yeah and it was just like it's because it's over the years gospel has become quite an adaptable genre mm-hmm. so these players can like play within funk within blues within jazz so they have to be the best they have to be at the top of their game Mm -hmm. across a multitude of genres where a lot of other players won't they'll just excel in jazz or they'll excel in in sort of r&b yeah these guys have to switch on a dime yeah so they just that's what makes them such amazing players because they've just got to be at the top of the game across the whole breadth of like black music yeah they i mean they are they are top of the game and I think it's it's got it's surely got to do with like I spoke before about the culture. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's really heavily invested in their church, and there's that there's that kind of sense of sacrifice. So yeah. people will give up a lot of their time to the church uh-huh. across the board, whether that be in ministry, um, like leading the church, or just serving at the church. And then if you are a musician and you are within the worship team, you're going to be giving up a lot of your time. Mm -hmm. But one of the beauties is that, you know, music, it's an enjoyable thing to do. So yeah, you've got people spending masses amounts of time together playing music. Like one of the one of the things which is really present in gospel is like improvising Um, Mm. maybe not not in a kind of a jazzy way, but it's that that chops they've all got chops they can kind of just keep going and absolutely and it's massive the sound is absolutely huge as well yeah (laughs) i I guess it's got to project to these massive yeah when you look at some of these churches they look like arenas don't they yeah they're huge they look like arena shows 
absolutely. And that's a rowdy crowd, and you've got to project over a rowdy crowd. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's singing along. Everyone's like singing to the heavens. Yeah. You've yeah you've you've got to be loud, man. Yeah. <laughs> got to project. So within the genre, the things which stand out to me with, with like kind of within the vocals, you've got that ability to improvise in kind of the form of ad-libbing so mm-hmm. you know you'll have the choir the choir will be singing out a chorus uh-huh. and the lead vocalist will be able to create his or her own story within whatever's going on in the, the concept of, of the song mm. and will do it in a way which is ridiculous like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna show you a little clip oh yes i'm not gonna show you the whole clip because it goes on for about 20 minutes i love a clip <laughs> i love a clip too this is worship with the greater allen cathedral praise team nice and the lead the lead vocalist on this is a singer called leandria johnson now leandria johnson has come from kirk franklin's gospel show which was called sunday best right and sunday best was kind of like gospel's version of the voice wow um awesome and oh my god i can't imagine the standard of the that. start yeah that's what i was gonna say the standard is ridiculous wow so <laughs> the thought of that just dawned on me and it probably just wiped <laughs> over my face i was like oh my god okay let's, let's hear this gal, so leandre was the winner of one of the shows but this little this little thing is basically the choir the greater allen cathedral praise team okay just ad-libbing Okay, there's about like eight different singers that have <laughs> okay. so here we go. So that's Leandria. So you've got that minor pentatonic riff run that is used like within this genre that the style, yeah, all vocalists kind of play around Jesus, with that. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you got your choir, call and response. Here we go. Of course, the organ's a big, a big one for the church. They're so decadent these yeah. churches as well. We've got huge bands, yeah, so temples. many players, so yeah. many vocalists. They, they go all out. Yeah. Who can you call on? Tell the people. I'm just gonna fast forward it to where Leandra invites the first vocalist. You could probably put the cursor at any point in this 17 minutes. It's gonna be amazing. I know. Yeah. So. at her feeling at the bottom yeah, yeah. she's like oh yeah I'm in it oh, 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 oh. 
I love watching the people in the background as well. Like everyone's I know, into everyone's it. fully invested. Yeah. Thankful. And it goes on. I mean, it must be 32 bars, something like that. How many people are in that choir? <laughs> yeah. There's like 50 of them. Sang, girl. Okay. Somebody else. Let's see who else we got. This guy here has got more of a, a kind of neo soul vibe to the way he sings. So the fact that this is just improvised, it's on the spot, it's feeling it in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's just sort of like everyone taking it in terms to sort of step up and pour their heart out, isn't it? Pouring out their hearts and their souls. Yeah, I mean this, so this thing goes on for 17 minutes and I have watched this so many times is that just your yeah that's the vibe that's the vocal it's, bible there yeah absolutely i mean i encourage you to check that's the your, whole thing uh, out homework. it is yeah. it is i mean i don't think i could achieve it at all even a fraction what these guys do but it's inspirational yeah and when, when you think of like some of the, the biggest sort of musical artists yeah commercially the fact that so many of them have come up through this system of the church your your whitney houston's yeah Aretha's, even like D'Angelo playing keys in the church as a kid. Yeah. All yeah, you, you hear it all, don't you? That's that's where they get their sort of soul and grit mm -hmm. and heart from. Yeah, it's the training ground, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's where they have all come from. You know, all of the soul and R and B singers have have come from um, that background, and you can it's just so evident. You know, like soul boot camp. Yeah, absolutely. And what's what's interesting, um, which I don't know how long it's been a thing, but the practice of woodshedding, like where they'd within the church, the musicians would have, I guess, essentially just like a rehearsal, but it's more of a party rehearsal mm -hmm. kind of vibe. Yeah, like a jam. Where everyone is just jamming out. They're developing like the gospel chops. And that in itself came from back in the day, sort of people literally going round the back of the shed, isn't it? That's where the name comes from. Yeah. <laughs> literally musicians going round the back of the shed to do yeah. a jam. It's literally where a the name practice. comes from, yeah. But yeah, when you when you think of like the way that um, viewing music, you know, with, with the introduction of social media and like Instagram is probably the best expression of this where you you have these incredible musicians mm -hmm. just jamming along, either either in the setting of in a band or just jamming along to a backing track or whatever and you know you've got the likes of say do you know Aaron the bass player have you come across Aaron the bass player no you haven't come across Aaron the bass player <laughs> I don't think so I know it's like it sounds like <laughs> you said as if it was like Aaron in our band in the, the bass player yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like Chance the Rapper yeah so Aaron the bass player is um he's about 10 years old oh no <laughs> it's a kid it's, I haven't seen it's this. a kid now this kid I think he's like um, oh my god he's doing a bass cover of Levitating by Dua Lipa yeah Amazing. He's, he's he's an absolute legend but he has grown in um, oh fame through YouTube 
and through the likes of Instagram, just with him showing off mm-hmm. his gospel chops. He's a real gospel head. Play us some Aaron the Basis then. Come on, let's do it. I am. What do you want? I want uh, Love Theory. Love Theory, okay. Well, I, I really want Dua Lipa, but... <laughs> <laughs> is my favourite. Look, he's got the face. He's got the biggest face and he's, what, like nine years old? Yeah. Mm. Ah. Oh, my face. I wish I could see it. Oh, look at his little stupid bass face. I love him. Love nobody but you. Love nobody but you. Hey. He's putting Tomish to shame, isn't he? <laughs> oh, I love him. I know. I've, I've never seen him. Yeah, he he is he is something else. <laughs> yeah, but, that's um, derailed us completely. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, but my point was is that the standard has been so lifted by this idea of woodshedding and gospel chops in partnership with the internet because now uh-huh. stuff goes viral Amazing. like this kid is he's pretty well known and there's so many there's so many yeah. young I've seen a lot of the drummers yeah. doing this sort of thing um, and that's in, yeah. that's kind of inspired Amazing. the next generation of musicians maybe outside of the church to be kind of like getting on the bandwagon mm-hmm. you know or jo- joining the train just just lifting everyone up yeah yeah absolutely it's impacted music in such a big way like just that that um, concept of the the church standard and mm-hmm attaining yeah. that kind of virtuosic level especially at such a young age like that yeah yeah awesome so yeah so i think i would like to play um somebody play a song if that's all right do it i'm gonna play a song by a singer called kim burrell and the song's called calvary it's it's a worship song so it is more down tempo and kind of beautiful okay cool yeah let's get that side of things kim burrell is like the queen of her vocal technique is like the best super technical super technical oh i'm looking forward to this and but also like it's a beautiful song so this is kim burrell calvary enjoy
kind of face melting isn't it just that those kind of chops and that it voice is. and the control over the runs is just it is incredible it really is yeah and also like you know when you hear the choir mm-hmm. the way that they're all together it's like one voice yeah like every single detail of the notes Mm-hmm. Are just they're all just together and like locked in. And I guess that's what plays back into the the live performance aspect of it in the church. These huge choirs are they've just got such a solid bedrock of the melody. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is probably where the idea of contemporary like R and B has come from. They're supplying the backbone of the melody, and it allows the main lead singer to just fly off into these runs yeah. embellish the notes a bit more but they've always got that rock solid bass in the back from the singers doing the melody yeah definitely. and that, that's what you get in so many especially in the 90s you've mm-hmm. got all these yes. r&b singers where they're not singing the last chorus the last chorus is just their time to show off yeah while exactly. the backing track plays the melody of the chorus yeah and that's where this has come from Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I guess if you were if you were to go into a, a, a real study of music on a whole, you'd probably find that it's very much the same. That kind of that idea that it's for the, the vocalist is to just fly and soar above above yeah. what's going on, especially in the the sort of realm of the female big diva vocal. Yeah, we'll probably take that back to the early eighties and stuff. Yeah your Whitney's and stuff like that. Yeah. Again, coming through the church, yeah. she sort of served as the template for 
vocal R&B mm-hmm. in that big bombastic ballad style. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely from church, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And actually, Whitney Houston duetted with Kim Burrell. Oh, brilliant. Oh, but that was like a right jewel. It was a proper jewel. Clash of the times. It really was. I mean, Whitney Houston is something else, but Kimberell really put in her two cents. Oh, yeah, <laughs> would not want to go against any yeah, of these gospel no, girls, no. not even Whitney. No, they're the real deal. Amazing. So that kind of takes care of the the vocal side and the musician side. Yeah. The, like the technical yeah. aspects of what makes up the sound of gospel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where's next on our journey so i thought um an interesting kind of route to go would be moving like into contemporary gospel so Mm. gospel that is starting to cross over into i guess what the church called the secular realm yeah this is sort of an interesting area and it's kind of like hearkening back to dorsey Mm -hmm. you know just a new expression of the genre like i heard donald lawrence he was in that little video clip that you sent about why gospel yeah. musicians are so amazing. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned about that idea of the genre changing and how yeah. there's some people who kind of resist that and, and see it as the devil's music whenever there's yeah. a change coming in. And he said, mm-hmm. no, it's just sound. You're just making a sound. The sound can change. Yeah. The message stays the same. The sound changes. Mm-hmm. And that's all that's happening. It's just, it's an evolution of the sound yeah and i guess the prevailing thing is always like whatever gets the message to the most people yeah the delivery whether it's sort of like bringing in hip-hop elements later on because it's gonna appeal to the the next generation it's just all about if like the message is first and foremost in these things yeah it's true evangelistic adapting to the world around us and it always has yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, so contemporary gospel is definitely um, my favorite. Yeah, cool. We've got funky ones, we've got ballad ones. Yeah. I do want to play a little snippet of a track by the Clark Sisters. The Clark Sisters are a bit of a big deal. Yes, I've heard of these, so these must be big if I've heard of them. When they started out, they were kind of parodying songs, so secular songs. Mm. and making a gospel version of them. The Weird Isle of the Gospel they, World. Yeah, they... The Lonely Island of the Gospel <laughs> They came up against opposition because of doing that. Yeah, I can um, understand, yeah. So the Clark sisters, uh, the four sisters, amazing. The way their their voices lock in with one another, they are just essentially one voice. Mm. I'm going to play a little bit, and then I'll continue. Awesome. Everybody stand up on your feet and make some noise for one So of the that most person you can hear there is Donald Lawrence, who's another big name in gospel. Oh, fab. Dorinda. Karen. <laughs> Twiggy. Of course, the one of them's called Karen. Karen. But instantly, listen to that bass and the horns yeah, going out. It. It's big. Full pelt. One entrance. And the drummer. Oh, god damn it. Chops. Huh. Oh, yeah. 
Now we're locked in. Let's see what the sisters have got. Here we go. Can I tell you what that reminds me of straight away? Yeah. House music. Yes. Well, there there is a whole gospel house movement, isn't there? Yeah. It's a thing, for sure. The tone of those vocals working together, that is like a sort of a classic funky house track. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so, so these sisters, they were, they were definitely crossover and that they were reaching out to, I guess, people of their age and relating to them with, with taking um, popular songs and, and re yeah, rewriting yeah. them. I'm just looking at the thumbnail of the album, sort of, they are women of a, a certain age, a, a sort of a middle age. They not- are. They, so this was like a, a live album, which was not from not too long ago, but they were talking 80s. Ah. You just go and visit their back catalogue. You will flipping love it. I enjoyed that a lot. 80s yeah. all over the place. Um, but what's interesting, uh, Karen Clark has a daughter called Kiera Sheard and she is one of these artists that is definitely crossing over and taking oh cool she's got some songs which are quite like trappy and a little bit kind of nasty right but have that kind of remain true to nasty nasty, remain true to to the message but this one I'm going to play for you I want to I'm going to ask you if you can figure out what it's a kind of cover of okay Oh, this is the daughter, is it? Yeah. Am I listening to the music or the vocals? The music. Oh, I don't know, but I dig it. No? I'm digging it. Yes, so I'm just going to skip it forward. Right, listen to this girl's vocal prowess. Yeah. <laughs> I wish our expressions could translate to a podcast format. Because we're just like, ooh, damn, girl. Ooh, damn. My face is a picture. Melted. Face melted. Yeah. So you, you didn't recognise that bass line at all? Oh, bass line. Oh, I don't mm. know. I've got tinny headphones that don't really play bass. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't help. Nah, I'm not going to get it. I'm pretty sure that is the bass line of Brown Sugar. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So she she's a crossover artist. I like that a lot. That was, you've that got, was excellent. Yeah. You've got, oh, oh you've got some um, Thai tribute. Yes. This guy seemed to be quite prevalent in a lot of the videos I was watching today. Yes, he is. He's a pastor of a church um, now. Um, but he has been quite a big voice in, I don't know, he's just been quite vocal about um, pushing his music and... Being a personality within yeah, the genre. Yeah, definitely. He's re-coined um, gospel music because he's saying the music that is coming out of like his generation and, and the upcoming generations, he's saying 
It's not typically gospel, so they're just calling it kingdom music. Kingdom music, yes. So it's kind of broadening it and not stepping on people's toes too much, you know? Yeah, that's a great idea, man, it is. Yeah, but um, an interesting little factoid of uh, Ty Tribbett. So we have spoke about the dragon, (laughs) Russ Elevado, who is the guy who produced D'Angelo, and he has quite a back catalogue within... The sonic magician yes. behind the voodoo sound, wasn't it? Yes. So yeah. that neo-soul sound that we love so much. He produced this next song, a Thai tribute song called I Can Make It. Let's play it for you. It is... Oh, it's got all those neo-soul elements. The bass. Oh, the naughty keys. The behind. Yeah, listen drunk. to that immediately. Everything's got that kind of wet, sloppy sound. Yeah, it's lazy. Perfectly recorded. That bit of bass, like, went boom, 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 boom. This is stank-tastic. It is stank. It is, isn't it? So this is, yeah, this is very much voodoo gospel, isn't it? It is. And that's a good title for an album. Voodoo Gospel. Voodoo Gospel. Is that your next album? (laughs) But it has a choir doing the things that gospel choirs do. I'll play it a little bit longer. It's just too good. That's so D'Angelo. It's mad. It is, isn't it? Right, I'm going to fast forward it to a point where it starts to lift. Oh, man. Okay, here we go. It's going to go off. Oh, here we go with a guitar. And the vocals are just like right in the pocket as well. Stop, stop, it's too much. Listen to this skank, listen to this one. A little flip. Oh, I want to be at this church. I love it. And these things just go on, they're all like six minutes long, aren't they? They do. Yeah. Just a demonstration of prowess at every turn. It really is, yeah. They can just keep going. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. And not not to take the conversation away from the, the gospel elements of it, but just hearing that and the sonic similarities between that and voodoo yeah. really makes you appreciate everything Ross Elevado brought to the table in terms of the sound of Neo Soul. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, does not get the props that that guy deserves. Yeah. Incredible. I love that. Just amazing vocals, amazing keys. Just that all back to that musicianship, isn't it? It is, yeah. On a level that is just like unheard of outside of these sort of genres, your gospel genres, your neo-soul genres. Yeah, um, I'm going to play one more little clip. This is by a guy called Doobie Powell. Doobie. Doobie is a keys player and vocalist. And um, he is one of the artists that I do know has his own shed sessions. So he runs his own sessions and it's a bit of a thing. He is very neo soul esque, like definitely where the mm-hmm. the genre crosses over into yeah. that neo soul sound. Yeah, this is super interesting to hear the 
everything we discussed in the last section, Mm -hmm. the foundations of the gospel sound merging with the neo-soul sound, R&B sounds, funk and disco sounds. Yeah. Really, really cool. And it just shows how much of a foundational element the gospel backgrounds and the gospel roots are in so many genres today. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is um, Doobie Pal. Doobie, oh, look at this dude. Yes. Oh, it's funky. It's funky. All right. Listen. Is this from like early 2000s, maybe? It's got that sort of nice, sort of mid-tempo groove. Um, yeah, doesn't it? And you can just listen to songs like these, um, removed from the message, really, and just enjoy them as like amazing, groovy songs, yeah, yeah. like amazing technical demonstrations of like instrumentation. You can just appreciate them like on a musical level. Like I'm digging this big stuff. You can. I mean, you don't. You know, when you listen to when you listen to songs, you don't. Mm-hmm. You're not listening to them because you agree with everything that they're saying, do you? Yeah. You listen to it, it's more than that. There's more depth to it. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, as people, we d- we disagree, you know, on so much. But you can certainly, like, appreciate the emotion and what yeah. he's bringing to the message. Yeah. How much he means the words he's singing. Yeah, absolutely. So he's he's a kind of another example of crossover. I mean, there's more people like the likes of. Um, yeah, that just sounds like Donnell Jones or something. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. You wouldn't. It'd be hard to place that as gospel, other than maybe the message, the lyrical content. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All of those tunes are just. I'm loving them all. They are, and and there's this like the likes of Sean C. Johnson. He's another one who he actually did a Tom Mish song. I think I've showed you it before. Oh, yes. You have the one where he sang Over the Journey. He did, yeah, he I sings think. Over the yeah. Journey. That's right. Yeah. And um, he's another one who's yeah, quite... He's very much actively stepping over into the secular to mm-hmm. reach people. That's kind of... Yeah. That's, that's mm-hmm. his thing. And who else did I say? There's, for the UK, we've got like Governor B. Have you heard of Governor B? No. He's, he's a kind of... Um, comes from like a hip-hop rap angle but Mm -hmm. bringing it into gospel yeah it's all about it's kind of it's all about relating to people and reaching out to people really really cool to see that sort of it's just seeping into all these pockets isn't it Mm -hmm. it's all about the message isn't it and it can come in as we've seen tonight and come in many many forms yep it does you can communicate that message in lots of different formats um it doesn't have to change or, or compromise even awesome so as we finish up this deep dive um where are we going now where, intro where we... to gospel yeah we've done that so a gospel starter kit it is gospel for idiots it's definitely worked for me <laughs> the idiot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel pretty kind of well versed on a sort of a, a decent enough surface level now yeah yeah okay awesome yeah thanks for that i'm loving it mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, bringing this gospel and the gospel influence deep dive to a close, I guess. We were sort of going back and forth as to how to structure this, weren't we? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, we could end with something that is kind of relatively removed from your traditional gospel sound. 
just an example of how the the sort of the core fundamentals have evolved and mm-hmm. sort of mutated over time into these various genres, which we've, we've seen in the last sort of half hour. And I've been waiting to play this guy, a guy called Serpent with Feet. You have mentioned this dude yeah. a few times now. And I was waiting for sort of a vocal deep dive or a run deep dive because he's got the most insane falsetto vibrato I've ever heard. Like I've, I've said before, I compare him to like the male brandy. <laughs> But looking into him to sort of potentially use him in this deep dive, he is steeped in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Performance artist and purveyor of the pagan gospel. So we're going quite dark here. Yeah. Josiah Wise translates the traditions of the blues and the black church into the darkly magical language of all things experimental, primal and infectiously electric. That sounds cool. That is quite a... Quite a bit of wordage there. <laughs> yeah, he describes himself as the love child of Kirk Franklin and Bjork. Nice. Wild, wild. And yeah, he is such a performance artist, this guy. Yeah. Openly gay, massive septum piercings, tattoos and piercings everywhere. He looks look. insane. He looks terrifying. Wowzer. He looks like some like voodoo witch doctor or something. Mm, nice. Definitely got shaman vibes. But then out of his mouth comes this, like, the most beautiful voice. It's really, really strange. Yeah. And yet he comes from life as a choir boy in Baltimore. He, he does come from the church background. Mm. So obviously, like, yeah, a sort of queer black kid in the church is kind yeah. of a, a strange crossroads to be in in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He actually, before adopting the name Serpent with Feet... He was part of a collective called God Body, which is another sort of church thing. In an interview, when asked, how does gospel influence your music? He said, in terms of arranging, I asked myself, what would Brandy, Bjork and Bilal do? Yes. I feel they've got it as far as that goes. They're my fairy godparents. Right. So, yeah, this is Serpent with Feet, Bless Your Heart, an example of, I guess, gospel taken really far out there into the more avant-garde realms when i give these books away will my ink betray me will my stories resist wings and grow feet and convince me that i or will my psalm seek the company of lonely breaths? Will they inspire sudden lovers to kiss with mouths they don't have yet? Boy, whoever reads about how much I adore you, I hope my words bring them something new. Something new Ooh, child, bless your heart Keep a tender heart 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 With you, I can empty my 
myself of all my rivers and become a remarkable sky. How could I keep these love documents to myself? How could I restrict what's given me life? Today I'll find a kind and burrowing creature That can carry these pages into the ground He'll recite the details of your love with his family was once a whisper will become a deep rumbling sound Oh child bless your heart Keep a tender heart I'll keep a tender heart quite a journey that's pretty that just that just does something like primal to me that song i don't mm. know his the the voice and the the sort of the raw emotion of it all mm-hmm. it just wears his wears his emotions on his sleeve mm-hmm. it's very like exposed his voice is very exposed yeah. and yeah his lyrical content is very carnal and sort of like he said like growing up it was impossible to talk about being gay Mm-hmm. Instead, he found an outlet through gospel music. A lot of gospel songs are very erotic, he said. Mm. It's such romantic and decadent music about wanting to be possessed and subsumed by this man, by God. Mm. And they talk about this like song of like given to the flesh and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. the flesh is very much a, a key component in his music yeah. and lyrics. It's almost like he is he's rebelling mm-hmm. he's being very like outright rebellious yeah. to his background his upbringing because mm-hmm. even even the title serpent with feet the serpent it's quite occultish bi- and devilish biblically yeah but biblically the serpent is not the serpent got cursed yeah to be on his belly so um and the serpent's obviously associated with sin and the devil and so it is like from the get-go, he's yeah. kind of putting two fingers up. So he's <laughs> he's the serpent who was sort of struck down to writhe on his belly, but now he has feet. Now he's got feet. Yeah, he's he's kind of. So he's he's yeah. sort of born born a sinner in the eyes of the church, but mm-hmm. he's he's gonna walk anyway, isn't he? Yeah. 
That was deep, wasn't it? That was pretty good. That was that was, <laughs> that was deep. Let's sheesh. Let's just, just pluck that one out of there. <laughs> wow. Well, you're a genius. You're a god. <laughs> we've had the biblical images. We've we've gone, and we've somehow ended up talking about the devil. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that was amazing. Fundamental character. Thanks a lot for uh, taking me down this avenue of gospel. Well, I mean, I really don't feel like I've I've given the whole thing justice because it's just so it's just like a pandora's box it's like a can of worms it's just so much um even even just the fact that all the the greats that we know and love have come up through the church so gospel has a lot yeah um we have a lot to thank gospel for um whether we know a lot about the genre or not it's had an impact on us all um, through the music that we hear. Yeah, the the most influential artists in soul music have, have gone to school in the church, haven't they? They all yeah. have. They all have, yeah. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who hasn't. Especially in uh, in America. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so that... that Another deep dive ticked off. Brings a deep off. dive to a close, yeah. Let's wrap this bad boy up then before we're four hours long. Yeah, let's do it. Before we um, close up the episode, we'll do our usual little uh, close it up PR post for ourselves. You know, if you're <laughs> if you're enjoying uh, the show, if you're here, if you're listening to the show via Soul City Radio, hey hey, hey hey, hope you're enjoying it. If you're hearing this through Method Radio, hey hey, hey hey, what's going on? What's going on, lads and lasses? And if you're listening to us through Spotify, what up? Or wherever you're listening to us. And we know a bunch of you guys are musicians. <laughs> yes. So come on. Let, let's hear what you got. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Anything, anything you want to say to us, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to switch us on to some new music, if you're an artist and you want us to play your stuff, we would love to just hit us up. Or if you just wanted us to talk about yeah, something. absolutely. Like Elle sending that article. That article, yes. Thanks, Elle. Yeah, connect with us. You can connect with us via Facebook, Instagram. Catch us um, Sold Out Roots in the Vine. Yeah. Hit us up. I'll look out for Sold Out doing the rounds live as well. Yeah, yeah, we've had we've had a... Uh, oh, plug, plug your choir work while we're here. My choir work? Yeah, you perform in choirs and such. I, I do say that makes <laughs> sense, actually. Yeah, since we're coming off the back of the, the realm of gospel... Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm a part of Newcastle's not one and only gospel choir because there is other choirs singing gospel. But it's the choir beef between the choirs. I, not that I know of, but is it like an anchorman style showdown <laughs> the different stations? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would like to say, Voices of Virtue Gospel Choir are Newcastle's one and only gospel choir. Accept <laughs> <laughs> no substitute, no arguments. Yeah. <laughs> and if yeah, and if amazing. you think you think you're better, we'll have you. Come on. Challenge it to a gospel. Sing off. Amazing Grace. Come on, bring it. <laughs> and we'll broadcast it on this show, right? Here. The Smackdown yeah. to end all Smackdowns. Yeah. So yeah, Newcastle's Newcastle's gospel choir is Voices of Virtue Gospel Choir. We've we've been doing gigs as of late. We sing a lot of gospel stuff. We sing some Kirk Franklin. Ooh. We've collaborated with Smooth and Terrell, who are the North's modern Northern soul guys. Yeah, you know, if, if you've if you've been listening to some of these tunes and you feel like, man, that sounds like an amazing kind of crowd to be in. Look for Voices of Virtue. Voices of Virtue, yeah, absolutely. You can, it's, it's not just strictly for the Americans. No, it's not. I mean, UK has its own gospel culture too. But yeah, 
you've you've thrown me off. You've thrown me off, Steve. I was That's shutting what I like to it do. down, and you Keep just you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let's shut it down properly then. Let's go. So yeah, hit us up. Find April playing wherever she plays. <laughs> Sold out Northeast on Instagram is a good place for that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For all of the live stuff. Yeah, but it would be lovely to hear from anybody, please, somebody reach <laughs> out to us. <laughs> but yeah, that's us for another month. For another Losing month. our minds over the course of about three hours. Yeah. Right. Shutting down. We're shutting one down. One more track to play. Yeah, one, one last track. track. What, what we're playing to shout out, what we're, what we're playing. Last track, as ever, closing up with another fresh one. This is the first new material in two years from London-based singer, songwriter and producer, Lives. Mm, I've not heard of Lives before. Her single from 2017 called Cover Me. Mm. That, so that still gives me chills to the day is of that it? one. Man. Oh. It's an absolute stunner. That's what put her on my map. Okay. Um, and this track is definitely back in that haunting, jazzy, Robert Glasper piano territory, particularly the extended second half of this track, mm. which I think is just stunning. So don't you dare turn off once we stop yabbering. <laughs> let this let this play out, let it wash over you. Her vocals are gorgeous, and the piano is actually played by Sam Crow. Oh, yeah, Sam Crow. And he's a mm. member of Native Dancer. Yes. I love it. Yes, I love and it. He's recorded with everyone from Leanne Le Havis, Cinematic mm. Orchestra, mm. and again, connections at every turn. I love Fatima it. Fatima and Jordan Rakan. Nice pretty bow. Mm-hmm. Seriously, look up, up any any name and you'll find these roots and vines connecting the, the whole scene. That's it's amazing. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, this is the first taste from her forthcoming EP Change. This is a track called How Would It Feel? This is Lives. Until next month, guys. See you next month, guys. Bye. See ya. What are these spaces between us? I want to hold you. What does it feel like you're leaving? Every time things get closer,
down and give my best Break it down, break, break, break Did you break it down and give your best?